It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. Joining me as ever, it's Alistair Gold. Ali, how are you? Yeah, good. Um, although I did have to kind of catch up on the match this weekend. Um, I was away. Um, I promised my wife as part of our 20th wedding anniversary that I would take her to Disneyland Paris. So we went there for a couple of days and yeah, had a bit of a nightmare trying to watch the actual game. There just uh, there was very few ways to actually watch it um, uh, because obviously I suppose being a three o'clock Saturday game, which isn't the most usual thing um, in the Premier League nowadays. So I ended up having to watch the full thing um, the next day while in um, a queue mostly for the Tower of Terror, which I guess is kind of apt. Um, but uh, do you know what? Uh, that was that's quite difficult when you know a game is not a good one, then having to put yourself through watching it for 90 plus minutes. I felt a bit like a data analyst. I was thinking that must be what they have to do. You know, after however bad a result is, they still have to sit through it. I guess a co- any coaching staff have to do it as well. Um, yeah. Although I would say, having kind of watched the game via social media in terms of people's reactions, it wasn't as bad as people made out to be. It wasn't good. It certainly wasn't good. And there's a lot we can pick apart about it. But uh, yeah, for me, a team very much in transition and it showed... Yeah, I mean, in terms of missing the game for you, not a bad one to miss, really. Although you, <laughs> yeah. you have had to watch uh, the 90 minutes since. It, yeah, just really, really disappointing result for Spurs because you're looking at the fixtures, three home games in a row, uh, above Aston Villa in the table. Uh, this was obviously prior to the game on Saturday. You're thinking really, really good opportunity here to... You know, just uh, boost your top four aspirations, and especially with Manchester United in a bit of form as well. Uh, I think three points was a must, and just never really got going, to be honest. I can't even think of many opportunities when Jose Sarr had a save to make. The only one that sticks in my mind is Dane Kulaseski, and that yeah. was a good five minutes or so, maybe after his equaliser. Yeah, it was just really, really flat and probably something you don't really expect from an Ange Postacoglu team uh, but credit to Wolves, uh, I think that needs to be said I know a lot will point yeah. at how bad Spurs were on the day but I think you've got to give Wolves full marks for they were really really good and I think that's three wins at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in the last yeah. five visits for them uh, yeah, it might be three wins in a row because uh, one at Molyneux didn't they, in November 2-1 and then one nil in one of Antonio Conte's last games uh, about twelve months ago. So, yeah, they've uh, just got, seems to have something cool with Tottenham at the moment. Yeah, you're spot on. It's like it's one of those things, isn't it? Spurs are allowed to be Man City's kind of bogey side, but Spurs aren't allowed to have bogey sides. And and I do think Wolves are one of them. I think you're spot on. Um, they just seem to their style 
naturally is like a bit of a, a kind of an antidote to the way Spurs play. And they seem to be able to always give them major problems. It's obviously been the odd game that Spurs have won. Um, I mean, Nuno ironically beat them, didn't he? 1-0 his old team. Um, but yeah, just, just have problems that Spurs have against them. Um, and that was very evident on, on Saturday. What was the atmosphere like in the stadium? Was it kind of quite subdued? What was it like? Yeah, I'd probably yeah. say uh, subdued's probably the right word there. To be honest, they weren't given a right lot to cheer about with Spurs' struggles yeah. in, in the final third. So that's understandable. Yeah, it was just one of those frustrating afternoons, especially when you look back at a, a number of the games this season when they've been like really exciting, playing football on the front foot and giving fans something to cheer about. They just didn't really on on Saturday. It was weird. It's watching it back, obviously on a, on a very small queue, uh, very small queue, very small phone in a queue. Um, while I was waiting to get on the ride, it was it was like it was a very long. The queue, the ride kept breaking down. That was why it was such a long queue. So I managed to watch a good like, 60, 70 minutes or so of the game. Um, and yeah, it wasn't quite the game I was expecting from social media in terms of I thought that. You know, Wolves were picking Spurs apart for 90 minutes constantly. It wasn't quite like that. It was like they chose their moments, Wolves. You know, there was a few moments early on and then later in the second half where they, they did exactly that. It was almost like they kind of played in the Conte-Spurs way when it, they were at the best under Conte. You know, when they were really just taking any moments they could. I mean, the possession stats, like Wolves had 29% possession in the game. Um, which is just, it's it's mad. And it just obviously shows you, it's the old Jose kind of um, sentence, isn't it? It doesn't, possession doesn't win you a game. <laughs> you know, the, the There's only does. one stat that matters, and that's Absolutely. the scoreline. 100%. And, and even the passing. Spurs had 660, 664 passes. Uh, Wolves had 214. <laughs> it's like they, they barely really kind of touched the ball, but they were just so efficient with what they did with the ball. Spurs had 15 shots on goal and they only put four of them on target. And that, for me, was the biggest takeaway I, I took from it was that I actually thought some of the build-up play in the initial stages was quite good. Sometimes a bit slow, but on the whole, they got a, they got kind of towards the final third quite well. And then that was where it fell apart. Either it was like a weak ball or a ball that hadn't really been thought through properly, just decision-making, or if the person in the attacking position got the ball they would just wildly slash at it and just hit a shot wide or there was some big amount like Ben Davies had a big moment in those final kind of seconds to, to head the ball home and and weirdly I know it sounds odd because he's left back but if there was someone I would expect to get the ball on target with a header in the box it probably is Ben Davies he's, he's quite good at that um kind of causing problems uh in the attacking box but uh yeah it wasn't to be and this was one of the biggest games for me I felt that I was watching a Tottenham team that is still very much being built. Um, there was a lot of stuff still to be worked on. And, you know, it goes back to this, the kind of, the, I guess, the bigger picture thing. That's it is. I've seen social media and I've seen a lot of people having some very extreme reactions about what, let's be honest, is Spurs' second defeat in their last 10 Premier League matches. It's not the end of the world. It's not the beginning of the slides. I saw one person even told me that Spurs are going to get relegated next season. It's like, it's like what is happening? It's like, it's incredible the way social media works now. It's just amazing. Um, I just think that 
maybe the start to the season got a lot of people's hopes up because they started like a bit of a, a freight train that they everything clicked quite quickly. But I guess what people maybe aren't then taking into account is just the damage and the lingering after effects that massive period of injuries did uh, to the squad. Because it's not only just, I'd actually say in a weird way, while those players were away injured or suspended, even on international duty, the players that were there were playing so much, they actually got into a rhythm. The, the performances weren't that bad. Yeah, there was a couple of dodgy results. But as I think Postacoglu said at the time, the performances weren't dreadful. Um, they were still creating lots of chances. I mean, the Villa game's a great example, you know, of just creating chance after chance. And then obviously went to the Etihad and drew 3-3 and stuff like that during that period. But weirdly, now the players have come back and, they're, you know, a lot of your stronger players, um, they look like players that have been out. They don't look like they fit together quite as well. They don't look like the patterns of play are quite as good. You know, we've got various players we're going to talk about, the likes of Madison and Benton and Basuma don't look like they're gelling properly in the midfield when they're playing together. The forwards aren't quite finding their groove. Um, you know, even, even the defence, you know, start of the season, they looked really strong and like they weren't going to let many goals in. Whereas at this point, they're, they're struggling a little bit. And also, it's still a squad in transition in terms of it's not the finished article of what Postacoglu wants. And that's probably not, you know, there's a no better way to show that than the fullbacks and seeing that the two that came in not quite as suited to the role as, as Poro and Adoggi are. But yeah, this kind of um, incredible switch that now Postacoglu has been found out. It's the beginning of the end. It's like it's like a week ago he was getting linked with a Liverpool job. <laughs> now, now if you believe some people, you, you know, he wouldn't get a, a job at Butlins in Bognor or whatever. It's just incredible the way that stuff changes so quickly in football um you know they are i think i made a point in my my talking points uh, yesterday that again we always forget and that you know how people predicted this season would go with harry kane leaving at the start of it that spurs would be in the depths kind of thing uh, and here they are um you know, what what we at? Uh, when did he leave? In August, wasn't it? So you're looking at like six months on. Um, and they're a team that are actually, I've got the stats here somewhere, they're actually better off than where they were last season under Kane. It's incredible. It's it's just uh, it's just ridiculous the way it, it all works. I've got, oh, here they are. So they've scored six more goals this season at this point in the season, despite not having the greatest goal scorer in their history anymore they've got um they've conceded three more just three more despite all the attention on how many they're conceding um they've got two more points than this stage of last season they've lost two games fewer than this stage last season um and it just shows you kind of that it's like <laughs> i still think what he's done this season has been remarkable and and Gary O'Neill was getting a lot of praise after the game, and rightly so, because I think he's done a really good job at Wolves. But I think maybe people forgetting that what Postacoglu's had to do is come in and just rip it up at Spurs and absolutely start from the bottom. Whereas, I mean, it's a question to you. Gary O'Neill, Gary surely, his, uh, what he's doing at Wolves, yes, he had no pre-season, but what he's building there is not a million miles away from what they were doing before. Whereas with Postacoglu, it's such chalk and cheese. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Gary Neal's done a fantastic job at Wolves uh, so far. And they picked up some notable results, especially two against Tottenham this season, one away at Chelsea recently. They all seem to do well at home as well against the big clubs. Uh, and they're a good side. They're a tough side to play against. But I think what Angie's doing, he's just trying to implement this new attacking football philosophy. What the team have, you know, taken on board. It might not look like it in the past few games, but as you said, uh, it's all part of the process at Spurs. And it's it's funny how things have panned out because I think Andrew probably said at the start of the season, there's going to be ups and downs. It's going to take time uh, to get him the squad playing his way. But they started really, really well and were top after 10 games. And you're thinking then, it'd be the other way, like it was at Celtic for him, maybe a tough start. And then after five or six games, then they get going. But it's had the opposite impact, really, at Spurs. A good first 10 games and maybe not so great uh, 10, 15 games after. And obviously, you got to look at the injuries and that. They played a massive, massive part, especially since the Chelsea game. Uh, But they've still picked up some wins, even when they haven't been playing well. And that's the sign of a good team. You know, you're going, to, you're going to have off days. Saturday against Wolves very much was one of them. But, you know, you can bet on Spurs bouncing back next time out against Crystal Palace. I think Andrew's done a really, really good job at Spurs so far. And it's only the start of it. You know, he said back in August it'd take a good few transfer windows to get the club to what he wants it to be. And when you're looking at the playing squad, I don't think in terms of playing his style of football. Uh, you maybe don't have the personnel so far uh, in terms of building a, f- a whole squad. Uh, still, changes need to be made, but you know, a lot of people probably were expecting Spurs to be out of the running for Champions League football, for maybe even European football, losing Kane, a new manager coming in. And they're in with a shout of it. They're in a really good position. He's done a fantastic job, same as Gary O'Neill's done uh, at Wolves. But I think it was just a bit of an off day, really. Yeah, and it's it's kind of this thing now where you've got to be one or extreme or the other. You know, you've got to just think it's the worst thing ever and it's all going to pot. Or some people are like, you can't criticise anything kind of thing. And it's it's not. It's somewhere in the middle. Of course, you can kind of critique performances. You can critique, uh, critique some of the decisions that Postacoglu made. Of course you can. That's the point of football. But you've also got to be aware of the bigger picture. Um, and the fact that, you know, just even without everything that's going on, it's a young team. And a young team is always going to be inconsistent. That's just the way it naturally works. You know, you'll get the odd freak team, a bit like, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson's Man United side that famously won it with kids, as it were. But that still had some experienced heads within it. Um, and it's, yeah, obviously I'm not com- comparing the two, but but just that idea that on the whole, young teams do have these games where they just fail to come up with ideas things just don't click that's the way it works they don't have that experience to kind of find a way through and and funnily enough it's the kind of game where 
you need someone like a Perisic. You know, Perisic comes in and just delivers a little bit of a magical ball, a perfect delivery in somewhere, and it make and he makes a difference. Um, and and people do kind of overlook little things like that. And I'm sure Postacoglu, you know, if you asked him, he'd, he'd probably say, yeah, that that's where those players come into their fall when it's a tight game, a tough game where you're trying to find a way through, and you have someone that's been there, done it all, and they they can come in and do that. Um, but I'd imagine Postacoglu is probably thinking. Okay, yeah, here we go again. We're at that stage. Okay, yep, every time, every club I'm in, this is what happens. You know, you start to get people being a little bit critical that that um, kind of come off the, the train. They worry about where the, we're heading. We'll worry about the direction. Um, and as he said in the past, that's when he comes alive. He relishes that. He loves it when people start to doubt it. Um, that's when he can kind of really show what it's all meant to be. And you know, as we've said a million times, and this is not to like write off this season because it's absolutely not the case, but we know the second season is always the stronger one with the Postacoglu team, always. Um, and that means that this first season is going to be a little bit of a work in progress. You're going to get some games where you, like like the Villa, I mean the Villa game, you know, talking about that, Villa should have, and they admitted it, Ollie Watkins and Unai Emery both said that they probably should have been four or five nil down at half time. Absolutely got obliterated. Spurs played, funnily enough, some of their best real Postacoglu football in a game they lost. <laughs> it's just the irony of it. Whereas sometimes you'll have days like Saturday when just nothing seems to click. Um, but it doesn't mean it's the end of the world. And and I agree that certain aspects like the defence shouldn't be conceding as much as it is from set pieces. That for me is a little bit of a concern. That's something that needs to be stamped out because we know the defence naturally is going to concede chances because the open way that the team plays. So you don't give them even more help by being a bit naff from set pieces and allowing someone free, which seemingly quite a few occasions recently. Um, But yeah. Yeah, this team will click. It will gel. It will get stronger and stronger, and it will be continue to be built. Um, I still think they'll finish top four this season. I still think they will. I think there's still a long way to go. Is it 13 matches to go? Um, I weirdly think, while most people would want to go straight into another game, I actually think this little two-week reset may be a good thing for them to kind of really work on some things in training that they need to. Um, but yeah, sometimes you're just going to have a day when too many players are off form and have a bad day at the office. And this was one of those days. What was he like in the press conference after? Actually, both, because I didn't see the pre-one. What was he like pre-match and what was he like post-match? Just before I speak on that, uh, mm. you mentioned something about Sir Alex Ferguson uh, yeah. before. Earlier in the week, Simon Davis, the academy director at the club, was on the Off the Shelf podcast, uh, mm. Tottenham's in-house one. And he was speaking about Ange and he actually made comparisons with Sir Alex Ferguson saying, obviously when Fergie was at United, he changed the culture of the club. And Simon Davies has said, Ange is doing that at Tottenham right now. And uh, what he also said is, you know, those from the outside looking in can maybe see the changes Ange has made, but it's even more impressive, you know, internally what he's done as well, you know, everyone's singing off the same hymn sheet and that uh, everyone's on the right page. Uh, so he's made big, big changes at the club already in what, nine, eight, nine months uh, yeah. he's been at the club. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's just process. 
They're going through yeah. one. They're not going to win every single game. There's going to be ups and downs. And we might have seen a bit of a down on Saturday. It's it's just the way it goes. But yeah, in terms of his uh, press conferences, uh, pre-match, it was all right. Uh, post-match, he was definitely disappointed, I think. Uh, obviously said didn't start the game well. First half wasn't great. Controlled it, but just weren't threatening uh, enough, really. I think he was asked as well about what was it? How he, he basically said he's not a magician at the end of it. He's a, a football manager. Uh, that was in relation to maybe the past performances, how we can, uh, you know, get him back to the best after previously uh, maybe struggling in some of the games, but getting out of jail, such as the Brentford and Bright ones. And yeah, he was saying, I'm not a magician, I'm a football manager. It's all about hard work on the training pitch and that's what it's going to be over these uh, next two weeks and just you know just got to put things right yeah was he um, he likes to be a little bit contrary after defeats was he uh, kind of doing the opposite for any of the questions like I think I saw something about uh, conceding a lot of chances and he said something like no we don't <laughs> it was like yeah yeah uh, he did mention that I think he said Bulls probably had about three or four decent counter-attacks although one of them was offside so mm. whilst they did concede quite a few chances and let's be honest I know you were reading out the stats and Spurs might have absolutely obliterated Wolves in possession and passing if you want for Guglielmo Vicario Wolves could have had maybe four or five on the day uh, so it was Semedo, Nori, and then a couple of saves from Pablo Sarabia as well good saves as well I've got your stats so, for you there. Yeah. They had seven of their 12 shots were on target. That's the yeah. difference. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's why you mentioned that. Didn't concede a lot of chances, but in reality, they did. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think they just... I mean, Wolves, as he said, Wolves are very good at that. Yeah. that that's what they do. So you are kind of playing into their hands slightly with that system in terms of if you don't come out aggressively and get yourself in a good position the longer the game goes on, they're going to find those counter-attacks and they're going to cut you apart, um, and, and as it proved to be. But, um, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting game to watch knowing what was coming. That was, that was a strange way to watch the game. I haven't done that in a long time. Um, and, yeah, I just, just reading the press conference, I could see the kind of the, the frustration he had in and I think this is something I noticed as well because it's something that just happens in so many Spurs matches for so many different Spurs managers. Just the the pressing disappears and it all really slows down. That, for me, was the thing that kind of annoyed me about the performances. Like other stuff, when you're taking risks with passes, it doesn't work. That's kind of fair enough because you've tried it and I think that's what Postacoglu would probably want. But for what kind of annoyed me was that they had to go out there and be quite aggressive and press from the start. And it felt a little bit like the previous eras. And and again, you'll know better because you're in the stadium, but it almost felt like they did that for like the opening two minutes, three minutes, and then just seemed to drop away a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that was pretty much the case. It's very rare. We've seen them, you know, on it on a consistent basis, uh, the Villa game, probably the best example in the yeah. first half, but recent games, I think Brighton and Brentford, the opposition have been 
the better team and Spurs, you know, have started slowly and maybe managed to get out of jail a couple of times. I don't think they were great against Everton either at Goodison Park uh, at the start of the month, but have managed to, you know, dig in and find a way uh, to get the three points and obviously a point at Goodison. But the Wolves one, it was, I think Wolves just punished them. It was about time, you know, luck maybe was going to run out on the side. Maybe uh, it's been I don't think Spurs fans would agree it was about time, but <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe they have been... You know, had luck on the side a lot of the games, yes. Brentford and Brighton, when they could have maybe lost or not yeah. got the three points. And I think he was going to catch up with him at some point, and it yeah. did. It did. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I know. I know what you mean. No, I do know what you mean. And I, I think that's going to be Ange's biggest thing to fix in this two weeks ahead, more so than even the technical stuff. It's the attitude change because he will, he shouldn't you know, accept that in any way, shape or form. There's no reason for it. There's no tiredness. There shouldn't be any tiredness. They're playing a game a week. They've got stronger squad numbers now, which means that, quite frankly, whoever you are, if you're not doing what you're meant to be doing and giving 100% in terms of your pressing, your aggression, your dynamism, your movement on the pitch, I'm sorry, get out of the team. The next person comes in and, and they'll do it because that's the whole point of competition is to not allow that complacency to creep in. Um, and I did feel like there was so many... I mean, Kulisevsky said it, I uh, saw in the mix zone afterwards, like so many times as well going the other way where Spurs lost the ball and the tracking back was pathetic. Uh, and he said that. And unfortunately, probably for the second goal, you're looking at even Basuma. You know, Basuma lost the ball and his tracking back was just painful to watch. It was almost like, oh, I might get there. And then eventually kind of got there and he didn't actually really put himself into it. Um, whereas in contrast, there was one attack towards the end of the game. Sonny did the most ridiculous sprint from the uh, Wolves box all the way back to the Spurs one. Honestly, you see him. He is at the back of about six Spurs players running back, and he ends up being one of the first to get back. He didn't actually end up kind of getting to the ball, but he influ- you could see his presence kind of put off the attack, and it, and it made it more difficult. And that's a guy that has been playing week in, week out without a rest because, you know, obviously he's um, been off at the Asian Cup and and obviously everything that happened to him there as well. So there's no excuse. That's the only thing for me that just kind of irritated me about it is, and I, I've always hated that. And that's when, you know, you the focus suddenly is on the manager. That's for me when you throw it straight back on those players because I'm sorry, the basic requirement of a player in a pressing system that requires pressing and aggression is to press and be aggressive. That's it. That's all you kind of, if you do that at the start, it causes problems for teams like Wolves. They get penned in. They're not able to do their counterattacks because the ball is re, uh, like kind of regained so quickly and they're back on their heels again. Um, so yeah, that's the one bit for me over the next two weeks. I hope he makes a real kind of point of, of bringing back in and, and hopefully there'll be, players that got kind of a point to prove you know Benton Kerr not starting there's gonna be his he's gonna be want to be full of energy and, and his actual stats when he came on weren't too bad I looked at um but yeah that was uh yeah I was watching that just thinking like why is he not closing down that why is he not doing that and uh yeah there were a few players that really will have to be much much better if they want to start the next game 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, I know you said the second goal, bad one to concede. The first one was horrendous as well. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I think it was Richarlison put the ball out for a corner. I think it was. I don't think didn't look to be anyone behind him, but it was one of those clearly hasn't got a shout from anyone. Communication, and yeah. And you can't leave it if you don't know what's behind you, just in case someone is there and they end up scoring. And Zhao Gomez just seemed to be free. Just literally no one on him about, what, eight, ten yards out? Uh, I kept rewinding that moment on my phone. I kept going back 10, 15 seconds to try to work out who was marking him, and I could not work it out. No. It was like nobody was assigned to him from the start, and that kind of was a worrying thing for me. I think Sonny was a couple of yards away from Gomez, but he was marking someone else. Yeah, And exactly. then he just appeared he was, Gomez was like at the back of the queue, maybe mm-hmm. in like no one was there. It was really, really... Bad goals to concede, and yeah. The Could you work one. out if it was zonal? I couldn't tell if it was zonal or man marking. Obviously, I didn't, I nobody know. marked that man, but yeah, that's and that to me is something that obviously we know Mila Yedinak kind of deals with the defensive set pieces, and Matty Wells deals with the defensive aspects of the, of the team. But that for me is something that surely they sit down and have a proper look at because if you can't tell whether it's zonal or man marking, <laughs> then it's kind of like eh, it, it's neither, and it was just a mess. Yeah, they have to go back and have a look at that. But good header from the midfielder. But just so, yeah. so easy. Just not his first one. goal of the season. I don't know. I, I think don't I know. Saw but... Somewhere it was his first and second goals, maybe Premier League goals of the season. I can't remember. I'll look yeah. it up. He, he was actually linked with Tottenham in January. I don't know if it was reports from every, every Brazil or somewhere, somewhere like that. That's the first time I've really seen him. And. Yeah, made his mark, two goals. He's uh, just not good at all from a Tottenham perspective. Uh, just in terms of the team, then what Ange selected, no fullbacks, no Pedro Porro. He got a strain in training. Destiny, a doggy picked up, I think, a knock the week before against Brighton towards the end. Uh, they're not expected to be on the sidelines for too long, just short term injuries, but. I think their absence was glaring. No surprise, really, to see Emerson and Ben Davis come in. I think a few had suggested maybe bringing Dragerson in. But it's like, where do you play him? You can't really switch to a back three because you've not done that all season. Plus, then you don't have the wing backs uh, to play a back three. You couldn't really play him as a full back and expect him to come inside. So I think it was really one of these where Emerson and Davis. Uh, started and let's be honest they played well in the game time this season when they've been called upon so they deserve more minutes and yeah it was Porro and a doggy really good now at coming inside they're used to it getting on the ball and linking things up Emerson does come inside not entirely comfortable that was clear to see uh Davis doesn't really come inside he likes to stick to the wing yeah. go on the outside link up with Son I think we saw that a couple of times uh 
yeah, it's just one of these if Poro and Doggy are missing, you want like for like replacements really to come in. And I think that's going to be something for Johan Lang maybe in the summer transfer window or a bit further down the line to need those like for like replacements. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this this was kind of really showed up in this match. Um, whether they go for maybe one natural fullback and one who is a centre back slash fullback who can do both. Um, I mean, like Mickey Van der Ven essentially can do that on the left, can't he? Um, you know, you kind of almost need a right sided version of that who could kind of be another option to do that because. It's that number 10 role. That's the crucial part for any fullback and the Postacoglu system. They've got to be able to come inside and be happy to kind of sometimes have their back to goal and turn and play and, and just pass as if they're in midfielder while also doing it. It's a very specific role. Um, and yeah, absolutely. I felt like Emerson and Davies had both earned their chance with their displays this season. I don't think there would have been any kind of suggestion that he would have not given them that go. Otherwise, almost like, what's the point? It's like, if you've played well and you've helped the team out, surely you've earned the right to, to have a go. I would say Davies probably had, had a, gave a better stab at trying to be the kind of fullback that Postacoglu wanted. I think he certainly gave it a go. Um, he actually had more key passes than anyone else in the Spurs team. He had three key passes. Even Madison only had two. I think that was the joint most on the pitch with Sarabia, the Wolves player. So he was trying to make things happen. He had three shots at goal as well. One on target. One, I remember he volleyed over, didn't he, in the first half, I think it was. Yeah, I think that was uh, early on. Yeah, second half. Oh, there's an ice cream van going by. I don't know if that's getting picked up. <laughs> It's like, why, why on February the 20th would you be trying to sell ice cream? Um, yeah, and obviously that big header at the end that oh, I just had to just had to put it on target and it probably goes in because of the the, the pace that the ball's coming in at. Um, but yeah, I felt he had a go. He tried to put crosses into the box, put six crosses into the box. None of them reached their target. So it wasn't like they were successful, but he was trying. Um, and like you say, constantly trying to combine with Sonny. That's what he does. So I think he was trying to be a real attacking outlet, maybe at times too much, maybe leaving a lot of space behind him. But then, you know, that's kind of what Destiny Doggy will do in the role at times as well. But obviously, maybe you could argue Doggy's then got the pace to get back a little bit quicker. So I thought Davies certainly gave it a go. With Emerson, it's really difficult because we've said this so many times with Emerson. I do feel like I'm going over old ground that you can't fault him too much for defending. I thought he did some important defendings, uh, kind of aspects. His stats were the best among the defenders. Four tackles, three interceptions, one clearance, and one key block late on that he made uh, on a Wolves shot that was really good. So if you're looking for that alone, that was terrific. And I thought he played well in the defensive aspect. But unfortunately, as a Postacoglu fullback, you want all the other stuff, um, and he just doesn't provide it. He will often look to just step inside, pass the ball inside to Tua Kulisewski or Pat Matasar, just someone else, and like, oh, no, no, I don't know. You, you do something with it. You know, he might do a no-look pass sometimes. <laughs> he can stick it on his, uh, on his Twitter um, or his Instagram, um, what do you call it, um, compilation video. Um, but he is, you know, he's a he's a important part of the squad in terms of he's versatile. He can do a lot of different uh, roles for the team. He's an amazing trainer behind the scenes, gives everything. 
a great personality in the squad. But if you're asking him to be an attacking fullback, it's just not what he does. It's like asking a centre forward to go into your be your centre back or your goalkeeper. It's just it's not really what their skill set is. Um, but I guess the the counterpoint to that would be you'd say, okay, well if you're going to play a player like that, you can't, and he's not going to do the things you want him to do. Then surely you have to adapt the rest of the team to absorb that, and and other players then have to take on more of that role. Um, and I guess that's where some of the criticism comes that is there a plan B from Postacoglu in those kind of situations? Can he adapt his team to allow for that? And I mean, presumably can, because, you know, we've had games this season with players not in their natural positions and, and Spurs have still come away with eight points or a point. So clearly he can, but yeah, I was trying to think of the alternatives of what else he could have done. And like you say, it's, do you play a back three and maybe play like a Pat Matasar or a Kulusevski as the right wing back? Is that easier for them? But I just don't see that being a Postacoglu style of football. And let's be honest, everyone used to moan about having a back three, I suppose, and how defensive it was. Um, and the other one I thought of was maybe, do you play Dragashin in the centre-back role and put Romero as a right back? Because we know how he loves to gallivant up the pitch and he's very happy in kind of tight areas with the ball at his feet but then you don't take your kind of leader of the back line out of it and shove him up the pitch do you do a makeshift job of putting someone who's very versatile like Pat Matasar as your right back but then that is putting a lot of pressure on the defending element of his game it's like I kind of feel like this was his only solution and like you say Johan Lang I think is going to be presenting a fair few fullback options for him come the summer for Postacoglu to to pick from um, but yeah, just just didn't work with the fullbacks. And I think when the the machine that is the Postacoglu system, it needs all of those um, to put a finer point on it. Those pipes flowing, <laughs> things flowing through them. And if two of them are blocked, um, or potentially maybe one, one and a half, let's say, um, then the system is not going to work as it's meant to. Um, and I think he said, I mean, you were there, didn't he say a doggy maybe should be back for Palace? Porro is probably not, I think, the way I took it. I'm not sure what he said on Porro. I think basically, like you said, the doggy should be back for yeah. Palace. I think they're both going to be short-term injuries. He said the major one was Fraser Foster, who fractured their bone in his foot, potentially out for a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, so it was... Brandon Austin, who was second choice keeper, uh, but two weeks until the Palace game, so plenty of time for them to work on on the fitness. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. What you're saying, then I just don't think there was many options really for him. I know someone suggested maybe moving Mickey Van der Ven to left back, but why take your best left sided centre back out to accommodate someone else? You just best players in your best position and. Yeah, Emerson and Davis. I don't think there was really much more else uh, Ange could have done in terms of the starting team. Right, we're halfway through the pod. A bit more to speak about after the Wolves game. So we'll uh, talk to you now about the benefits of using NordVPN. Ali, you were in Disneyland uh, using NordVPN. I take it you were on brand watching, was it DuckTales and stuff like that on the Disney Channel? DuckTales. Well, there's one from the past, Scrooge McDuck and all of that. Um, I, I, I wasn't watching DuckTales, although I did have a strange moment when my wife 
fell asleep and went, and just the telly was on and I put on um it was like Disney German Channel came on and it was Father of the Bride 2. I used to love those films. And I ended up watching a good 45 minutes of an hour of Father of the Bride 2 in German, despite the fact that I had no idea what they were saying, but I had a rough sense of what they might be saying, having seen the film many years ago. But I did actually use NordVPN out there. It was, it once again, as it always is, just a helpful way of accessing various things that I'd watch back home, which often you can't do when you cross that border into foreign countries. Uh, so I did have my NordVPN turned on um, and ready to use for loads of stuff. And, uh, you know, I said this last week, but I do love the fact that, you know, we're a podcast that gets obviously lots of nice comments, people talking about it. And, and we're very lucky to have a very healthy, I was going to say listenership, but we also have viewers obviously being on YouTube nowadays as well. But we also get a lot of comments from people telling us about Nord and how They've got it because we talk about it. And I kind of really like that. It's just, you know, it's kind of become this little funny aspect of the show as well, where actually people will make jokes and laugh about the fact that, you know, they use NordVPN. I saw someone tell us on social media the other day, it would feel like cheating if they used any other kind of service other than NordVPN. And I quite like that. I love the fact that it's it's become a little part of the show. And uh, look, yeah. It's the reason that we kind of talk about it quite in, um, enthusiastically is because it is something I, I do use and I've used for work and I've used for holidays. Um, so I'm not kind of just selling it. I'm someone that's kind of used it and it's been very, very helpful for me over the years as well. And, you know, if you're not aware of the kind of specifics of it, it is the fastest VPN in the world. That means there's no buffering, there's la- no lagging, and you can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. Um, and you know you could use it to for other things you could use it to book flights from another country let's say because sometimes it can be cheaper if you're booking them from the actual uh, country that you're getting the flight from rather than from or flight to sorry rather than the flight from like you do from the UK Um, you can use it for security aspects it's better helps you out if you're using public wi-fi abroad as well just to help lock up your phone or your device your tablet whatever that little bit more um, and that, you know, it means it can all be cheaper in the long run for you because you're using it to help you with various aspects of anything, really, that you might use NordVPN for. And uh, it means you're kind of paying out for Nord, but you're actually saving money overall because of all the things you can do with it. And look, I'm not even doing it, uh, you know, a service. There's so many other things, a whole host of other benefits that you can get from signing up to NordVPN. So why not give it a go? And the beauty of signing up to it through the link, which is nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest is you get a really good discount off it through us as well you get no risk with nord's 30-day money back guarantee and on top of all of that you're actually helping the podcast by doing it because you know it shows nord that you know we're a worthwhile podcast and then like i said does seem to have been very helpful for a lot of people that have have gone on to use it so uh yeah all good and the link is in the episode description box if you just missed it there Right, a couple more things to speak about uh, after the Wolves game before we move on to a couple of other topics. Uh, first up, there was a change in midfield. Not one, uh, I think it was one, basically, that we were expecting. Uh, I think it was time to give Rodrigo Benzica a bit of a breather. It looked like he needed one. Ipasuma came into the midfield. His first start since Nottingham Forest uh, away in December. Uh, wow. Yeah, 
yeah, long, long time ago, just because of that four-match suspension, time at AFCON as well. Uh, so a big, big opportunity for him uh, to try and make his mark for Tottenham once again, because, I mean, he was influential, wasn't he, the first 10 games of the season, played a pivotal role in Spurs, top in the league. And I think it's fair to say we've probably not seen the best of him uh, since then. What did you make of Eve's performance? Um two different sides to it. I thought other than the goal, the second goal, I thought defensively he did bring a lot more of that solidity that Spurs need. I mean, even just by his stats, five tackles, three interceptions, and that's kind of what you want him to do in that number six role, although obviously Ange will tell you there's no such thing as sixes and eights. Um, but I did kind of feel, and this has been my gripe with Basuma over like the last, well, three months, maybe four months. Um, well, it's got to be more than that now because we know he didn't start a game since December. But the impact he has in the opposition half has just dramatically declined. I felt like at the start of the season, one of the big reasons that the Madison, uh, Basuma and Saar trio was working was because Basuma was so dominant in the opposition half as well. He would drag the ball past about two or three players. And so when you had a team like Wolves that was sitting back, he would take players out of position and that would suddenly create space for other players. And that was such a big thing and a part of why Spurs did um, have a lot of success with that midfield trio. Whereas now, he fe- feels like almost like he does his job in front of the back four takes the ball, plays it off to the sides or stuff, does that well, but then doesn't really link up too much in the attacking areas, doesn't seem to have the confidence to take people on in the opposition half and isn't direct and and kind of dynamic with what he does with the ball. And I think that's been a big loss to Spurs. It's a bit like Dembele. Dembele wasn't a guy that you were going to get many shots at goal from. He wasn't a guy that you were going to get a killer final ball from. But what he would do would was in that final just before the final third almost, you know, just a kind of area midway in the opposition half, he would take a couple of players out of the game with a little turn, with a little bit of holding the ball, just anything. And that would allow suddenly everyone else in the attack to suddenly have the more freedom than they previously had. And that's what Basuma was bringing. And it just, I don't know why it's gone from his game. Um, and again, that may be something that he's worked on in these couple of weeks maybe even ask Ange about it at the next press conference, whether it's something, his work on the other side of the pitch. I mean, could it be that all of the kind of suspension issues he's had this season, presumably have caught up with him, that he's worried about getting himself caught in a position where he has to then suddenly put a tackle in in, in the wrong end of the pitch and picks up a yellow? I don't know. Um, but I don't know if that really affects your dribbling ability and, and how you take on players. Although I guess... He did actually pick up the yellow at Luton, didn't he, for trying to dribble into the box and then diving. So maybe. But yeah, I think if they can get him back to that, that's a key part of the Postacoglu system suddenly working again. Um, I mean, I know it's kind of very much looking into the future in terms of a couple of weeks' time. Do you keep the same three again for Palace? I know there's a lot of factors that could happen over the next two weeks. I think... Sarah Madison start regardless, then I think it's one of mm. Ben Kieran Basuma for the other position. I don't know. I think they're both in similar positions in terms of they just need minutes under the belt. Uh, that's going to be key for Rodrigo Bentica getting back to his best because of those two injuries in 2023. 
he did a really good interview in the match day program Saturday. Uh, you know, we opened up on those injuries working under range, and he thinks, you know, he's going to be getting back to his usual level soon, but that's all going to come with, you know, more time on the training pitch, uh, game time as well. He did also mention that Costa had a two week break after the Manchester United game in January. That wasn't the best thing for him in terms of his match fitness. He just wants to play. So I can't imagine this break this weekend with Chelsea in the cup finals, a good thing for him. Basuma again, uh, Ange was speaking about him in his press conference on Friday. It was in the embargoed section. He said, I think Basuma's been quite frustrated with how the season's panned out uh, for himself just because of, you know, the suspensions and that. It's been extremely stop-start. And they were speaking with George Sessions from the PA before, uh, I think it was during the game. If Bissouma gets another red card, that's five-game ban, is it? Yeah, I think so. I think <laughs> yes. so. I'm not 100%, but I think so. Yeah, because obviously got four for the Forest one because it already. If it's been a straight off. red, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe, as you were saying, does the disciplinary impact uh, his his game really? Because he's already Mentally, missed so many yeah, games. Maybe. maybe, and I think what's not helped him is that sending off against Forest and then going to the Afcon, and you're thinking he's going to be an influential figure for Marley in their cup campaign, and it just wasn't, was it? They played. Far out of the five games, minutes was limited. So obviously, there was reports of him uh, contracting malaria uh, ahead of the tournament. Uh, he, both him and Benteke just need the minutes, but I think with Sarah and Madison starting, one will get them, one will have to make do with a roll off the bench. Yeah, it is. It's two players needing minutes, but are in the same position. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Can we give you a half each kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I do think Benton Kerr, whoever comes on, I think will make an impact. I think that's an important thing as well. And especially with Benton Kerr, I think there's probably a little bit more of an attacking impact he can make as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've been trying to say this as for a while now that Benton Kerr was never going to be the top peak player he was uh even like let's say a year ago uh before that that crucial instrument for a while it's going to take him time it may not even be till next season um, or certainly towards the end of this one but it will come but right now yeah you know you know you're playing with a slightly um just I guess a rustier version than what you had um what do you make of madison uh didn't really influence things in the final third as you'd want him to do. I think he teed up a chance for Kuliseski towards the end of the first half. It was a decent move. Kuliseski hit that wide. I think he had an opportunity on goal from outside the box. What just went over. Uh, I mean, I thought Wolves were decent in midfield, made it 
difficult for the likes of Madison Saar, etc., to get going. And yeah, I think maybe he could be in similar boat to Benteker and Basuma. In he just needs the minutes. He's I think that was maybe his fifth game uh, since he returned from injury. He's he's going to take time. Uh, Ange was asked about him after the game. Basically said he's ready. He's he's fit. Uh, if we're looking for individuals to uh, win these games, we're not that team. It's about a collective rather than the individuals. That's what's got us there so far. But I mean, it just wasn't Madison really in an attacking sense. I thought Sonny had very little impact on the game. I think he swung in a really good cross in the first half when no one was, you know, in the area challenging for the ball. Uh, Richie, I don't even think, had the shot at goal, probably. No chances fell his way. Uh, Hold-up play maybe wasn't the greatest. Uh, And then Kulisewski was probably the better out of the front three. Uh, Seemed to turn it on a bit more once he got his goal. Uh, I was unlucky with another curling effort, but... Yeah, just in terms of an attacking sense, I just didn't think it really clicked for them. No, Sonny was so isolated. Sonny had no shots at goal and no dribbles. I mean, when have you ever heard that for Sonny? That's that's what Sonny's about, dribbling and shooting. And he didn't have either of those. Um, Yeah, he wasn't brought into the game enough, I felt. Um, And that, yeah, that's down to, I guess, Madison as well, down that side, trying to bring him into it. Richarlison, I thought that was one of his poorest games in a while. Um, he's been so good, obviously, in recent months and really stepped up. But I felt on Saturday, his hold-up play was dreadful. It was like bouncing off him quite a few times. And that's kind of, you know, one of the kind of minimum requirements you always get from Richarlison is that he kind of does hold up the ball well. He scraps for it, he battles for it. But if the ball is constantly kind of rebounding off him, that's not then allowing the likes of Son and Kulisevsky to get up there uh, and do what they do. I felt Kulisevsky was probably the busiest of the front three. Obviously scored a lovely goal, lovely feet for the goal and like knocking it through Sars legs. It was a beautiful goal. And, and it kind of came at a time when you were like, yes, that's that's when it should really kick them on now. And they didn't ever really build on it. Um, I think he had four shots at goal or something, two on target. He, yeah, just none of them really made it. And even like when Werner and Johnson came on as well, didn't really manage to impact it. I do think a lot of it comes down to the midfield not being right. Um, look, there's definitely individuals that can be better in what they're doing, but I feel like the midfield not gelling and clicking is having a knock-on effect in both the attack and defence because it's you know it's the go-between. It's if the if the midfield is playing the passes through, there were a few times again where. You know, the attackers were, the, the wingers were making runs, but no one was playing the ball. And whether that is Madison or Saar or Basuma, or whether that is the fullbacks, obviously, who maybe it's not their first instinct to do that. Um, I mean, crikey, there was one ball, wasn't there, from Emerson to Davies that flew over Davies' head. And it was yeah. like, oh my God, you're under no pressure in your own half. And it's like, yeah, that was a good. Didn't Postacoglu put his head in his hands? I think the he camera did went at that moment. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. it wasn't a good one. No, it wasn't great. And uh, and to be fair, you know, Davies tried a few. I think Davies did one crossfield ball that was quite good, but he also pinged a few long balls that went off target as well. So, yeah, even the attackers, when they were trying to make their runs, weren't getting the ball anyway. Um, so I do feel like that midfield, it, it needs to be right. That's kind of what he's got to decide on this fortnight and get that midfield 
really kind of in its groove again because yeah the knock-on effect was the attack looked really kind of blunt um, and he said it numerous times that the attack is the biggest area for growth to come with this Spurs team there's so much more that he can do with it and you know Villa game aside there's not many games I feel like certainly in recent months where we thought oh, crikey they could like put five or six away in this game um, and that's where they're falling behind a little bit, I feel, especially when you've got a system that is all about really going for it and putting teams to the sword. If you're not doing that, then, you know, you've got to find a way to, to make that happen. Um, but yeah, yeah, the, it was it was very blunt, the attack. I, I would say there were very few players at all that impressed me on the day. Um, probably the Cario and Van der Ven. Yeah. That's about it. I'm struggling beyond those two. Like I say, lovely Kulusevski goal, but didn't really do too much else um, for me. So yeah, yeah, it's just just a, like we've said, a really disappointing day at the office, but not one that I feel needs to be um, a part of a larger thing. I think it can be nipped in the bud with just a few tweaks and, and changes and getting attitudes right among some of the players as well. Right, we'll move on from that game, I think, against Wolves, because it wasn't the <laughs> best happy of note. ones. And we've probably <laughs> talked about it uh, far too long. But we'll yeah. uh, move on. And looking ahead, uh, five months or so, uh, you've been reporting on pre-season uh, for Tottenham uh, in July. So where does it look like they're heading? It looks like we're getting an Asian tour. Um, although last couple of years, they've kind of headed off to Asia and different countries. But, I mean, the potential is there for a Harry Kane reunion um, because Spurs are heading back to South Korea, like they did in 2022, which was an amazing experience to see. Sonny Mania in, you know, in his homeland is just the most incredible thing. And it is a beautiful place, South Korea, anyway. Um but yeah, it looks like currently scheduled to be um, July 28th, they're going to play a, a Team K League like they did two years ago. I think it was 6-3 that game. It was like a crazy game. I think Sonny scored a couple. I think Harry Kane scored. He certainly set up a few goals. I think Eric Dyer scored, if I remember correctly, as well. But weirdly, Dyer and Kane could be on the opposite team. They could be playing for Bayern. This, this could provide our first glimpse of you know Harry Kane taking on Tottenham which is a horrible thought um although I should also point out of course you know the the Bayern game it would be on currently scheduled I don't know how locked in this is yet but it's currently scheduled to be August the 2nd if uh I could say Spurs if England can get through to final maybe even semi-final it might be difficult for them to then take part in this game I mean, the final of the Euros, I think, is I think it's July 14th, 13th. It's around that kind of time. Um, and, you know, you're supposed to get three weeks off, really, after that. That's, you know, that's probably then not going to be an August 2nd. So that's why I say could see Harry Kane making a reunion, uh, having a reunion with Spurs and Sonny and the like. But, uh, yeah, it'd be a good game. Um, but like uh, part of a three-match uh, Asia tour, so there'll be another kind of part to this as well to come. Um, but yeah, and also um, Bayern have got Kim Min Jai as well. So there's two huge Korean names in that game as well, which I'm sure will go down very well. 
yeah, it could be a bit of a busy kind of post and preseason because obviously Spurs looks likely they'll do a little postseason um, quick uh, friendly somewhere. Obviously, it's been mooted that potentially Melbourne, um, you know, Angie's city where he grew up. Um, so you, you know, they could be doing a fair bit of traveling. Um, but look. It's all part of the game now, isn't it? It is. You've got to. Um, there's a lot of Spurs fans out there that don't otherwise get to see their team. This is taking it out to them. It is also, of course, very lucrative for the club, and it's one of those kind of things, isn't it? Everyone wants transfers and they want like pay the money, but then when they go on these kind of tours, that's where a lot of money comes from to go to then towards the transfers that will take place in that summer. So I don't think you could get too. Uh, kind of upset about it. I mean, gone are the days when Spurs would play like a friendly at Stevenage and, and like that. Although they came back, didn't they, during COVID? We had, yeah. what do we have? We had Leighton Orient, Colchester, Colchester and MK, MK Dons. Dons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, it was, uh, it kind of was going back old school. But the, I guess the point is that, A, you know, the, the fans in the local area, they have the chance to go and watch Spurs because <laughs> that's, you know it, it's not too far to go. Whereas those fans, I guess, on the other side of the world, this is their biggest chance of being able to see them unless they want to spend thousands and trying to get to a game. So I, I get it. I do get it. Um, sometimes it can be a little bit too much and the schedule can be a bit relentless. Um, but I'm, I'm sure Postacoglu is, is experienced enough now with your 28 years or so in the game of, of of making sure his players are impacted in in the right way. Um, I mean, it's all a little bit later this season because the Premier League season starts a bit later next year, so it's all knocked on a little bit. Um, and like I say, I'm intrigued to see, especially with the Copa America and Euros going on until mid-July, how many players are then available for that tour. But that works in another way as well. Let's say, you know, you know you're going to get Sonny because unless, you know, bad injury or something, which, you know, touch wood, there's not going to be. But um, it gives a chance to some other players we get a chance to see. You know, a certain Lucas Bergvall will Bergvall will be uh, hopefully on that tour. We'll get to see a lot of him. Um, we'll get to see um, players like Alfie Devine come back, Ashley Phillips come back and get game time. Alejo Velisca, yeah, Ooh, Valise, could he make the Argentina squad? I suppose I it depends on the last a, few months. Be a bit, a bit of a stretch. Push. I think he's only played really under 19s so far. Yeah. But you never know, see how he does in the final couple of months for Sevilla. If he can get on yeah. a good scoring run in front of goal, could be an outsider. Never say mm-hmm. never. But I think a full, you know, pre season at Tottenham would benefit him, especially if there's going to be mm. opportunities for game time there. If quite a few are still going to be on the breaks after the internationals. I mean, you might have to take your boots as well, just in case. <laughs> oh, no. That would be great for me, awful for Spurs and all of uh, South Korea to watch. But um, yeah, it, uh, I'd imagine you're only going to be probably missing two or three players, really, the ones that get through to the final. Q two finals now where everyone's playing like Brazil, Argentina, the Copa America, so you lose what, Romero, La Celso, Richarlison, maybe Emerson as well, and, and uh, England against. Who would be the worst for... Oh, Sweden. You could... Uh, oh, no, Sweden, Sweden aren't there. That, Sweden, Sweden aren't there, there yeah. Um, uh, who else is probably Spurs? Wales. Wales, yes. Ben Davis, Joe Roden, <laughs> he's back. 
Yeah, that'd be incredible. That, that's that if Wales there. qualify as well through the playoffs. Yes, this is true. Um, but yes, it it, it would be a, another amazing experience. We were talking before we came on air. It's been a while now since they've gone to the USA. You know, obviously, I can understand the, in a cynical point of view, kind of cashing in on the huge popularity of Sony and Postacoglu with Australian stuff. But yeah, the the Americans haven't had Spurs for it'll be six years now. Um, and I know there's a lot of passionate American fans out there as well waiting for Spurs to come back to them. So be interesting to see whether maybe next year um, they head back there. But uh, yeah, no, it all sounds very cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, those stadiums will be absolutely packed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, there will be. And when they were leaving Hotspur Way on Friday after Angie's press conference, there were... So many Korean supporters outside waiting for Sonny. There must have been about 100 plus. Uh, Son did, you know, come out and sign all the autographs and pose for uh, photographs. I think we've seen him before. He'll come out in a golf buggy. They'll bring yeah. him out from the training centre. No, I think he was just there with a security yard. I think it was. Uh, but now everything well no behaved. No one came out and said, sorry, the sun will come out tomorrow. No. <laughs> <laughs> your face. <laughs> oh dear. Um, I just thought that I had to get in there. But no, they, they are there every press yeah. conference, aren't they? The Korean fans are so dedicated. They kind of make a I'd imagine they probably when they're coming over, they'll they'll book it as part of an experience of going to a match, but also kind of make sure they're there outside the training ground. And I mean he's just so good with them, isn't he, Sonny? He is, he is. Uh I imagine Everyone who was waiting got an, either an autograph or photograph with him, you know, happily spent his time there. Uh, so it's always good to see. And I think that was the case as well. Probably the open training, a few of the players signing all the autographs when they're going around. And then there was a lot actually inside the stadium waiting uh, to get the autographs and that. So no, it's always really, really good to see the players interact with the fans. Yeah, absolutely. No, he's a he's a such a good guy, Sonny. I was watching his interview yesterday that he did, uh, did like an extended like eleven, twelve minute interview with the club about just kind of coming back and his love for the club and the fans. And he's just genuinely a terrific guy, isn't he? I think Spurs have, to be fair, have have got this kind of really nice core at the moment. Of I'm not saying that like they had horrible players playing for them before, but just this really nice core of decent human beings i mean you know the james madison stuff before the match as well i mean you were there um i think was it charlie i want to make sure i get his name right samuel uh, samuel sorry samuel that was it samuel yes um taking young samuel out onto the pitch that was for me was probably the nicest moment of the day because obviously the game was so uh, dull um i just thought that would just yeah that's lovely that for me is 
I mean, you were there, wasn't he? Kind of getting the whole stadium to to applaud this young man who, you know, there was worries. I think he wasn't even going to be able to walk at one point, and and now here he is walking out onto the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium pitch. Yeah, uh, Madison always comes out last, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. When the eleven players walk out, and yeah, hand in hand with Samuel, just taking his mm. time uh, to join all the rest of the players. Try to whip everyone up as well, get a big, big cheer, and did the same again. Uh, once Premier League anthem uh happened, and all the players you know had shook hands, Madison, I think it was Alan Dixon as well, uh, yeah, holding hands with Samuel, and they both walked him off the pitch uh, as well again. So at the time, and <laughs> it just he comes across so so well, does James Madison. Wow. I think that was just clear to see. Uh, on Saturday, was really, really nice moment, and let's be honest, probably the best moment of the day. I think. Yeah, honestly, absolutely, it was. Right, uh, we'll move on to something else. What happened on Saturday? Ryan Sessignon was in action for the under twenty ones. Uh, I think it was West Ham they were playing. Spurs had quite a, a decent line lineup. Uh, Dane Scarlett, who's been in the first team squad recently, he started. I think Jamie Donnelly as well. Ryan Sessignon, very attacking team. Uh, players who've played in the first team. And yeah, for Sessignon making his comeback, uh, he's only played the one so far for Spurs this season. That was against Burnley in the FA Cup in January. That was a matter of minutes off the bench. I think he'd only made his return to training. Uh, last week as well spotted him in involved in the open training session and yeah his game time was unfortunately cut short uh i think 37 minutes when he came off the pitch it's you know terrible for him really for a player who you know wants to try and make this impact at tottenham he, he just doesn't have luck on his side at all no no it's rubbish i mean in a parallel universe you know, we're not talking about Davies and Emerson as the players that are coming in. We're talking about, let's say, Jed Spence and Ryan Sessignon coming in as the fullbacks on uh, Saturday. Obviously, Jed Spence, differing reasons, just never in, kind of impressed Postacoglu. But for Sess, oh my goodness, to have 11 months out of match action, come back, and then you're kind of forced almost to play against Burnley in the FA Cup late on because they weren't even going to use him in the game, just required him to come on. I just felt a little bit of an issue, just kind of essentially having been out for so long and coming back. So that put him back a little bit. Then he had to kind of make his way back into training again, gets back into training. And I think Postacoglu said, didn't he, in the presser the other day, like it was getting a body of work kind of behind him of of, of training minutes. And obviously a good decision, I felt, to, to put him in the under-21s, get him some game time there with less um, kind of tempo and pressure that you'd have in a Premier League game. And yeah, I went and watched that back as well, large chunks of that. 33 minutes technically was when he went down. He went to go and put a cross into the box and it was like a really weak cross. And you wondered like, oh, how do you kind of have a funny connection? How did that manage to not really go anywhere? And you looked at him and as he kind of hit it, he started to fall to the floor uh, and he stayed down there just with his head, hands on his head. You could see he was absolutely gutted by it. Um, and there was... The reason it says 37 minutes he came off was because it was about four or five minutes they were kind of working on in the physios, trying to get him up. They eventually got him up 
and towards the fence so that the game could continue. And he was kind of leaning against the, the railings, the fence at the side of the pitch at Hotspur Way. And you could see, couldn't even really put much weight on it. And and it was just, oh, it was just rubbish. And eventually the physio, um, one of them had to kind of put together these, I presume they carry them in their bags in like a, uh, a, an unassembled, disassembled form. They have to put these crutches together in in two or three sections, um, and they put it on. and he, he went off with a, a crutch under both arms, heading off. Um, oh, it's just just really, really rubbish for him. For what I understand, it is a hamstring problem, but this time on the other side, and it's just like, what are the chances? You know, yeah. It's just rubbish for him. I do feel sorry for him. I know that there's people out there that will say, oh, you know, he gets paid very well. You know, he's draining the club of money, all this. This is nothing he can do about it. It's not like he's not taking care of his body. It's not like he's doing anything wrong. He's doing everything possible to make himself available, to work hard, to train hard, to strengthen his body. Just maybe, maybe because he started so young, you know, burst onto the scene at just 16 years old. You know, he's been playing football for seven years now, despite the fact that he's still only 23 years old, which is mad in itself. Um, and I just feel like, yeah, his hamstrings, once they kind of fix one area, because the hamstring as well, it's not just literally you have a hamstring in each leg. Like the hamstring is a group of muscles in each leg. Um, so it's just a, it just seems to keep damaging different ones. So it does concern me slightly that he needed crutches to be able to walk away with a hamstring problem. Often we'll see, I mean, like Mickey van der Ven kind of walked off, didn't he? Um, often you're able to walk with a hamstring problem. I guess it depends which kind of one. So we await to see how bad this is uh, and how long it's going to take him out. But I just think mentally it's so damaging to him confidence-wise because like we said, we were speaking about this before, it's just taking away something someone loves, their career, what they're best at, what they want to do in life. Um, and he's just not able to do it. And, you know, whether he'd be a perfect Postocoglu fullback, I don't know. You know, whether he could do the number 10 aspect to it, I don't know. Maybe he could learn to do it. But he certainly would be quite an exciting player under Postocoglu at his, you know, best and what we've seen. You know, this is one of the best young players in English football. Spurs had to fight off Man United to sign him. Liverpool were looking at him and everything. I mean, there's still some suggestions, weren't there? United were looking at taking him on loan last month. Um, and I just hope and pray that this is just a tough period for him. And he just has to almost rebuild his body, rebuild his confidence and come back. And it may not be at Spurs. You know, what's he got? A year and a bit left on his contract. It may be that he has to go elsewhere and rebuild his career. But I hope and and really do hope that he, he still has a career uh, in the game. And I'm sure he will. At 23 years old, th there's, there's, there's surely, your body's still young enough to heal itself, surely, um, and with the, with the correct kind of medical procedures. But, yeah, it's just desperately disappointing. You could just tell, just even watching the footage, just kind of the mood around the pitch. And, and it did affect, I think, the Spurs players for a little while as well. It's just rubbish to see. It is just like never-ending hell for yeah. Ryan, unfortunately. He just can't catch a break at all. Uh, you know, returning to training last week, you, you're looking up and then it's just another major, major setback. And to see, you know, people call him a disgrace on social media on Saturday is just so, so wrong. Like you said, there's nothing he can do about it. And uh, let's be honest, this goes for... 
anyone who you know wants to do something has a passion for something and if something stops them doing it he's gonna you know upset them and impact them mentally and the comparison that. you used earlier with me <laughs> <laughs> uh well basically if there was an accident for you <laughs> involving your fingers so you couldn't type and then that'd stop you. Yeah. No, 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 no. Don't say what you actually said, because you went even darker than that. Did you say I'd lose my hands or my fingers or something? Fingers. I said if there was an accident, say you'd lost your fingers, and then that'd stop you typing, etc. Uh, it was very, very dark. The, it went very dark very quickly, that did. Probably not the best of examples, but you, you get where I'm coming from. Uh, if there's something you want to do and you can't do it, that's he's gone to, you know, have a big, big impact on you mentally, and especially, you know, for the footballers who've, you know, been putting in the hard work since they were young kids to try and get to this point to become professional footballers, then they just can't do it. It's, you know, it's it's horrible. And unfortunately, it's happened to, you know, quite a lot of players uh, in the past. Uh, yeah, just hopefully, you know, we can put in the work in the treatment room, get back to a good level and just get back on the pitch because, you know, that's what everyone wants to see Ryan Sessignon do, whether or not it's for Tottenham in the future or another club will wait and see. But I think given what he's been through, everyone just wants to see him just back on the pitch and enjoying his football once again. Absolutely. And if I am um, unfortunate enough to have any accents that involve my hands in the coming years, uh, can everyone point the authorities to this podcast <laughs> and see where the plans were clearly put in place? Right. Well, uh, quickly move on from that. Uh, <laughs> there's a bit of a break in play now for Spurs with Chelsea, who they were due to play on Friday at Stamford Bridge. They're in Carabao Cup final action on Sunday against Liverpool. So, two-week break for Spurs, not ideal. I asked Ange about it in his pre-match press conference the other day, and I think he says to grab a play, because then there's probably just going to be a bit of a backlog with fixtures towards the end of the season, and given that run where it's Arsenal, City, Liverpool, you just know that Chelsea game's going to be put there. And let's be honest, Sky will want it as well for TV purposes come the end of the season, because it's one what could have an impact on the European places. Uh, Ange in the embargoed section of the press conference was also asked, would Spurs be arranging a friendly? And basically says, no, uh, you don't really get the intensity, I think, when you organise a friendly. But what they would do is have an internal game. And let's be honest, I think that's a good idea. You're playing against, you know, quality opposition. You're going to have players who are fighting for a place in the team, so it should be really competitive and hopefully. You want to be uh, on Romero's side, though. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just stay away from Christian Romero. Uh, yeah, uh, two weeks to work on things. I think getting the attackers linking up and clicking again is going to be key. And the same for midfield. Really, there's stuff to work on uh, whilst. You know, I think Ange and everyone connected with Spurs would just like a game straight away to try and put uh, to right the wrongs of the Wolves game. That's just not the case, but I think they can get some positives off the training pitch over the next fortnight. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I was interested you asked him that. I, did, I, did, uh, I thought that was an interesting answer. Did you ask him anything in the post-match? No. No, I didn't. No, no. Oh, that's weird. Someone on Twitter said that he, oh, he was really irritated with Guesty in his question after the uh, the post-match one. I was like, well, <laughs> that's what I thought. I, thought. I didn't think you, you had asked one. So uh, people, someone's mixing you up with... How can they mix up your distinctive dulcet tones for anyone else's? <laughs> I don't think anyone um, else sounds like me who asked the questions. On Earth, I don't think anyone else sounds like <laughs> you. <can't think. laughs> um yeah, it's uh, it's quite like I said earlier. I actually think it's a good thing. I know it might not seem like it, but I think it is a good thing. I think Spurs needed a little bit of a, a reset, a little bit of a almost a mini preseason of sorts, um, just to drill some of the basic ideas back into them. They seem to have got away from some of that. So, and yeah, I do. Despite the fact that Christian Romero will probably put someone else on the injury list, I do think the competition that comes from an internal match is quite a good one. Um, you know, they could really build up to it, couldn't they? Know which day it's going to be. Um, and, you know, you've got the likes of Lacelso will want to impress and show what he can do and probably try and injure Madison. Not really. Um, and you've got, you know, like you say, Johnson and Werner trying to prove that they can bring more than Kulusevski and Son. And, or even Son might, uh, there might be an idea that maybe you put him back through the middle again after Richardson's performance. Richardson has a game where he's on the bench. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's a good one for like we said earlier, likes of Benton Court to, to kind of really show that he's you know trying to get back to some kind of level of, of form and fitness. So um, yeah, big couple of weeks, a lot of stuff to work on, set pieces as well defensively. Um, there's yeah, they need to come back against the Palace side. New manager uh, Oliver Glasner as well will be in there. He was see... at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Saturday. Oh, yes. Yeah, was he, he sat was... behind you? Uh, to the left of the press box, I think uh, the overflow section just just below. Oh, yeah. uh, that's where oh, he really? was. Oh, really? I was down there. Yeah, so uh, obviously keeping an eye out on Spurs for a game in two weeks' time. Mm. Did you like kind of zoom in on your phone to see if you had any little notes on a pad or anything that would be useful? No, no, my phone's not that good enough to zoom in from that distance. Not Nokia <laughs> one, isn't it? That old yeah. Nokia <laughs> flip phone. <laughs> it's like a brick. You put it on your back and wind it up every time you want to use it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I could go so many more jokes there, but I'm not going to. Um, yeah, it's, you know, we get to see kind of how quickly, where there is a new manager bounce, which the stats show isn't always a thing. Um, we get to see how different a style of football they will bring, um, they will have under him. He was someone that was linked with Spurs kind of at one point as well. Um, yeah, but Spurs have to come at, back to the game and really be on it. They need to, I think they need to give the fans a show. You know, there's been a few kind of stuttering performances at home recently that, uh, that first half, especially, they need to come at absolutely flying out of the traps for the whole half, not for like a couple of minutes. Um, and give everyone something to cheer for because, you know, the games only get harder and harder really in the coming kind of weeks and months and then there's some biggies on the horizon and they've got to be in the right frame of mind and momentum for them. 
um, because this is it. This is all they've got to focus on now is the Premier League. So, yeah, I think uh, it'll give them a couple of days off, you'd imagine, in the middle. Um, often they normally get like the weekend off in the middle of a week, like a fortnight like this. But around that, um, yeah, working hard and upping those intensity levels. Yep. Right. Just before we call today, time on today's pod because we're approaching the hour and a half mark soon uh <laughs> ali a long you, very long one uh you were keeping an eye on the loan players this weekend a few of them in action in the same game there was alfie divine ashley phillips playing for plymouth against joe Roden's uh leeds united leeds won two nil at home park then alhova lees made his comeback uh for severe off the bench i think they've got real madrid next possibly so not a bad full debut for Belize if he can start and I think young Matthew Craig was on the score sheet as well yeah there's a few little notable ones that we can kind of flag up among them um like you say Alejo Belize making a severe debut came on late on about 86 minutes he came on sent a header at the goalkeeper he did have a chance um could have scored in his debut but he didn't quite do that but there's been a lot of praise coming his way for his what he's been doing in training there. So I think, you know, their number 10, we'll see him probably starting matches quite soon by the sounds of the way the coach is. Um, Kike Sanchez-Flores, isn't it? It's the old uh, Watford uh, manager at Sevilla. You see that? Wow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure wow. it's him. Um, yeah, so I'm sure he'll get plenty of game time coming up. Uh, Jed Spence, another unused sub performance for him or not performance. Um, like you say, Joe Rode and Alfie Devine and Ashley Phillips all coming up against each other as Leeds won. I think it was 2 0. Joe Rode is just in the most incredible bit of form. He's been part, an integral part as well. Five clean sheets in a row in the championship for Leeds and seven in a run of eight wins they've had. They just they love him at Leeds. I think Leeds have conceded the uh, least amount of goals in English football as well this season. Really? So he's played a you know big big part in that. And Leeds are absolutely flying at the moment. You'd probably yeah. back them for second. Uh, Going to be interesting with Southampton and Ipswich as well. But I think regardless of where Leeds are playing the football next season, they will want Joe Roden on a permanent basis. Mm, I think Joe Roden's going to go for a fair whack of money. I think this is this is exactly what Spurs want from these kind of loan deals, you know, and especially having no option on the deal leads. Roden could be up there, you know, he could be like fifteen upwards, you know, maybe even if he if he's incredible and gets them up, you know, maybe looking at the twenty, Spurs could end up making a profit on him. Um, and yeah, no, he's been superb. And uh, Ashley Phillips played well, from what I understand. Uh, Alfie Devine, not so much. It was a tough game for him. He had to do a lot of defensive work. But in midweek, I think they played Coventry, drew 2-2, and he got a uh, an assist, played very well uh, in that game and really got a load of praise from the manager and, and also the fans for that one. What others? Oh, yeah, you mentioned Matthew Craig. Got his first assist as a senior pro in the week for Doncaster Rovers. And then he got his first goal as a senior pro only 20 years old, England, uh, sorry, Scotland under 21 international. Um, nice kind of calm, composed finish. So brilliant moment for him. Jaffet Tanganga still hasn't won a game yet for Millwall, but he's playing matches, which is a massive upgrade on what he was doing at Augsburg. So at least he's playing games. Bit of a Spurs 
contingent now at Galatasaray with Tongi Ondembele, even if he's not getting many minutes. Um, you've got Tongi, Davinson Sanchez, Carlos Vinicius, Serge Aurier's gone now there. It's like they've got the band back together. Um, so they're, uh, yeah, be having a, a great time. I'm trying to think of other major kind of Sergio Reglon obviously playing. He had a bit of a tough game against Liverpool. The first goal, he was, wasn't was strong enough. Jota headed on to Nunes. And then he did have the shot that Tony scored the consolation goal from the follow-up. Troy Parrott, quite one for him. He's had a terrific season, but he didn't have any even a shot on goal. Excelsior Rotterdam. It's, it's like what he's done with, I think it's seven goals and three assists um, while he's been there. He's, he's very impressive for a team that's kind of down there in the lower reaches of the league. Bottom half team. Um, who else we got? We got Josh Keeley's doing well for Barnet, playing every game for them, starting every game. They're third in the National League. Um, I'm trying to think if I've missed anyone out. Lucas Bergwald. Lucas Bergwald. Oh, Eric Dyer, technically. Eric yeah. Dyer's on loan. Um, poor old Eric Dyer, just before I get to Lucas, Eric Dyer hasn't had a hasn't had anything to do with the goals they've been conceding recently. The Leverkusen game, I watched that. He didn't wasn't involved in any of the three goals they conceded. He was then dropped for the Lazio game. They lost 1-0. And then at the weekend, they uh, lost to uh, Bochum, wasn't it? 3-2. He only came on for the last four minutes or so. Didn't even have anything to do with that. So he's kind of not been part of these problems that they've been having. Um, and yeah, obviously even Perisic out on loan, but we're not... not uh, oh, I just whacked the microphone with my face. Um, <laughs> not back yet uh, from terms of uh, his injury. Lucas Bergvall, yeah, technically not on loan because he hasn't officially joined the Spurs yet, although it is scheduled to officially happen, if you know what I mean. Uh, he got an assist yesterday for Jur Garden, which was a classic Postacoglu move. Got down the left, cut it back for the striker to score. Uh, sorry, the the attacker to score. And uh, yeah, it's uh, we're still await to, to see him, but he's certainly going to be a... Um, I think a big player for Joe Garden in the first half of their season. So uh, I think it might have been a cup match yesterday for them. Um, the season, I don't think, officially starts late for the first, but I think they had some early cup games and friendly games they've got coming up. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see what he's, uh, what he's, how he develops in the next uh, four to six months or so. Yep. Yeah, it's Swedish Cup for them. Uh, didn't right. they have like three fixtures in the Swedish Cup and then end of March, start of April, when the league season starts. So, yeah, uh, I think we'll call that a day on today's podcast. Plenty to discuss in almost an hour and a half. Uh, we'll be back next week as there's no game this weekend uh, as a result of Chelsea playing in the Carabao Cup final. So, as ever, thank you for listening and just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support our podcast. The link is in the episode description box.